0: What up, everyone? My name is Christopher Rivas, and this is Brown Enough, stories between black and white. We are in our second week of the new year, and I am already feeling different. Yeah, not really. Uh, <laughs> but maybe some of you are, and with the new year, are trying to make new changes or listening to new podcasts, you know, like this one. So if you're a new listener today, thank you for being here. And whether you're new or you've been here since the jump, I got a little favor to ask. If you like listening to Brown Enough, subscribe or follow the show. That way, you get all our episodes right when they come out. It is a little step, but trust me, it helps out a lot. And while you're at it, share the podcast with your friends, cousins, primas, primos, tios, tias, uncles, and aunts, the person who runs the taco shop down the street. Tell everyone, y'all. All right, now on with the show.
1: single day and so with pride let us welcome the president of the united states joe biden
0: just before the new year more than five thousand people were invited to the white house to see president joe biden sign the respect for marriage act an act that recognizes all same-sex and interracial marriages across the entire country
1: god bless you all and may god protect our
0: troops and now Let me sign the Respect for Marriage Act into law. Among the guests invited to the White House was the legendary New York City drag queen, Britta Filter. Outside of drag, Britta is Jesse Carl Havaya. A 37-year-old who's proud of their Polynesian heritage. Britta's dad was born on the small Pacific island of Tonga. And in drag, Britta is a fierce advocate for LGBTQ rights who was thrilled to show up to the signing of this legislation.
1: I make sure that I'm going out there in something brand new and looking sickening because it'll catch people's eye and pay attention when I'm in drag.
0: Outside the White House that day, Rita was wearing a dress in a beautiful, luminescent shade of brown, and yes, they did look sickening and gorgeous as they posed for a couple of pictures for their Instagram. The next day after this event, Britta sat down to chat with me about what it was like growing up with a Mormon dad, what visiting family in Hawaii feels like, and how they show up for their community through drag. Stick around, y'all. You don't want to miss this. Britta brings the party every Friday night at a bar called Pieces in New York City. It's a small local gay bar where people are usually crammed in together like sardines to see their favorite drag queens perform. Britta's been performing there for six years now. I gotta know off the top, Britta Filter, how does the name get born?
1: Um, I Originally, my name was going to be uh, Roxy Cotton, and my mom was like, absolutely not. <laughs> um, and so I, I was actually doing Cinderella. I was playing a stepsister in the national tour of Cinderella. And um, when that ended, I was like, okay, I'm going to go back to New York. I'm going to be a drag queen. And that night at this after party, I met this girl named Britta. And I was like, oh my God, Britta, that's like Britta Filter. That's amazing. <laughs> and I decided I was, I was going to be anything but pure from that point on. And uh, that how, that's how Britta Filter was born.
0: While Britta loves performing at local gay bars in New York City, they are also taking over the world by showcasing their talent on the small and big screen. In 2020, they became a contestant on a little tiny reality TV show you may have heard of called RuPaul's Drag Race. Here's how Britta introduces themselves on season 12 of the show.
1: Oh girl, I look good. Most people think I'm like a big old black lady, but I'm a Polynesian princess. My dad is from the kingdom of Tonga. Out of drag, I'm definitely Maui. And then at night, I turn into Moana. I guess we'll just wait for those other hoes to come out. Yes, mama. I'm so excited. I can't wait to see
0: these other girls. Uh, we won't really get into Drag Race too much, but I like these two lines that you've said. Most people think I'm like a big old black lady, but I'm a Polynesian princess. And out of drag, I'm definitely Maui, and then at night I turn into Moana. Yeah, yeah. Can you please explain to me what this
1: means to you? Uh, well, growing up, people just saw me as uh, a person of color, and they didn't know what I was. They didn't know what uh, Polynesian was. They didn't know what Tongan was. They kind of just generalized me, and I kind of like just went with the generalization. And in drag, it's it's a it's a giant it's it's a character. So because the music that I perform and enjoy performing happens to be, like, really soulful gospel music, people would just assume that I was, uh, that I was black. Um, but that's not the case. I'm uh, definitely a, a, a Tongan, proud Polynesian. And I w- actually, I wasn't proud to be Polynesian, um, really, until after Drag Race aired. Like, I, I, I had a lot of shame around it.
0: Oh, interesting. Until yeah. after.
1: Until after. I grew up Mormon, And my dad kind of disowned me when I when I uh, told him I didn't want to go to church anymore uh, when I was 12 years old. So once that happened, I I he told me I couldn't come to his house anymore. So I never I didn't see my dad. So it was kind of uh, it it was really hard for me. And I always associated um, because my dad is Tongan, my mom is white. uh, I, I associated those negative feelings with being Tongan. Wow. I, I wasn't proud of who I was, and it and it took a long time. And I grew up in like in Arizona and like a predominantly white high school, and so it, it took some time. And, and not until I was on Drag Race and I saw how important it was for representation and for me to be there and to be uh, a, a queer Polynesian and to be out in the open and and proud of who I was. Then then I started to realize like, oh my god, this is this is this is huge. Like, there's so many people that that need that queer representation like I mean we had the rock when I was growing up but he wasn't gay <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: can you tell me any more about your family I know you said you were raised in Arizona it was mainly
1: white raised in Arizona I mean my got yeah, my mom so my mom's a cute little white lady from Ohio my dad uh straight up like fresh off the boat from Tonga and so were all of all of his family and um I was raised Mormon, which was a big uh, influence growing up. And I also, like, didn't know anything else. I just thought it was normal that we didn't drink Diet Coke and eat chocolate. Um, hmm. a- as a kid, I was like, okay, whatever. This is—we don't do this. Cool. And then my parents got divorced, and I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> I was like, we're not supposed to get a divorce. So they really, like, switched everything up. But I'm, I'm glad they did get a divorce. My life is much better because of it. How old
0: were you when that happened? I was 12, and was was the church a part of the divorce what was
1: i mean yeah kind of you know it's you're not allowed to get a divorce in the mormon church like that's like that's a thing. So it was. It, it at first it was hard because I didn't understand. I was like, "What are we doing? We're going against the things that we, you told me that we were supposed to, you know, abide by." And then once they got a divorce, my mom's like drinking wine. I was like, "What are you doing? We don't do that. We don't drink boxed wine. What is this?" Um, and then started listening to different music, and it really just opened my eyes and ears, everything to a whole different world that I was not accustomed to um, because I was kind of like. They put me. They raised me in a box. Uh, yeah, full circle, <laughs> <You> right? <laughs>
0: raised in a box, and then you broke out the box. That's it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. How many? Uh, do you have any siblings?
1: I do. I have two sisters, um, uh, Toki Lupe and Pualani. What? And I and I got names, right? And then I got wow. stuck with Jesse.
0: <laughs> wow. Why didn't you get a? Uh, one of those names
1: you know it, it, originally like in the in the tongan tradition um it, the the dad's sister has to name the firstborn and my mom was not having it she was like absolutely not that is not happening so i truly got the whitest name jesse carl havea <laughs> while well, they got these beautiful elegant names
0: do their names mean anything
1: um, Puhlani means flower from heaven and then Toki Lupe means, uh, it, it, it's like a dove in Hawaiian. That's my grandma's name. Wow.
0: Yeah. Very, very cool. Yeah. Uh, is there any relationship between Pacific Islanders and Mormonism? Uh, how did your father, you know, fall
1: into that or? Yeah. Um, so, you know, very similar, like the book of Mormon, the musical that, yeah. that they have on Broadway right now. It's, uh. Very similar that these Mormon missionaries came to Tonga and essentially um, converted all these people to being Mormon. Um, My family is hard, hardcore Mormon um, on my dad's side, and they they all still practice. Um, They they have a little bit more understanding for me and my existence in the world now. You know, it kind of took me being on television multiple times for Mm. them to be accepting to be like, oh, okay, well. You know you're famous <laughs>
0: today, Britta is in touch with both their parents, their mom, who now lives in Maine, and their dad and two sisters who live in Hawaii and are still in the Mormon Church. Have you pushed everything away from Mormonism or has it has it is there something that has stayed with you and stays with you?
1: um yeah, the family values definitely there's amazing family values that uh, have come from uh that that i 've learned from the from the church and like that that are still with me and that are still with my family, and you know uh, uh on Mondays like we would get together i mean we don 't do it so much anymore because they live in Hawaii, but they they get together once a week and they everyone sits in a circle and we talk about um what we 're grateful for and then see if anyone in the family needs every anything, everyone from like the kids to the adults, and so they all have their moment to speak, which I think is really really important. And I think certain things like that in now uh, get overlooked. I I feel like some parents don't even talk to their kids, like talk, talk, talk to their kids. Um, So yeah, the family values, they're, they're, they're pretty uh, instilled in me. And, and when I decide to raise a family, I, I will definitely take those values. But the rest, of the, the rest of the stuff they do is a little crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's it, right? I knew, was, I was like, there's gotta be one good thing, you know, and this way, yeah. that's how we make our life, right? We pick like uh, this beautiful thing from here and this beautiful thing from here and none of it needs to be doctrine. And that's, you know, that's where it gets dangerous uh, as opposed to like, let me make my own smorgasbord. There you go. Beauty. What is the journey of describing your profession to your
1: family? You know, I didn't. I didn't really tell my dad side of the family. You know, when when you do, when you, it's one one thing to come out um, as gay and then it's another thing to come out as a drag queen and say hey not only do I like to sleep with men but I like dressing up like a woman and dancing around too (laughs) Um, so it was you know it was shocking you know my my mom didn't understand it when I first told her Uh, she told me that I was like you're not going to be pretty she thought it was being trans Hmm. um, uh, being a drag queen and that's and that's not what it is I mean those are people who like to live their lives authentically as how they how they want to and my Drag queen is specifically for entertainment purposes only, and I, I, I grew up uh, loving musical theater. I loved it so much, and went to school for musical theater. So I kind of transferred that into into drag because th- this is funny. I started I, I I did it because I was sick of doing all these whitewashed musicals. Mm. Um, I, I was so over it. I if I had to play the uh Polynesian guide to the left in South Pacific one more time i was like I, I i i couldn't do it um and i wasn't getting cast in things i wanted to create my own art and be my own artistic director so that's kind of how i i landed into drag and i was in charge of everything that the hair the makeup the what i say what i do what i look like how the number's are going to go how many dancers i have the costumes so It was it it was really artistically freeing once I found Britta and got into my like niche of it.
0: I gotta flag the line: I wanted to be my own artistic director. Yeah, I just think that's like put a pause on that period. The the power in being. Just look up for anyone not, look up what an artist director does, you know, at a theater, at at an institution, and to say, like, that's what I want to be in charge of. That's the role I want to give myself. And something I've always said about my work is when I was trying to be chosen by others, you know, in Hollywood and whatever I do in Mm -hmm. in my art, and I wanted to be picked by others, it, it never really took off. And it wasn't until I also, without knowing this language, said I'm going to be my own artistic director. I'm going to put my freedom on blast. I'm not going to give a fuck what people think. That people started being like, oh, this is great. Yeah, this, yeah, this one. Let's, this is cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm all about yeah. this. That 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 breaking out. Uh, so I just want to thank you for for that language because it's really beautiful. A couple of months ago, I came across a story about an amazing Hawaiian surfer named Duke Kahanamoku. He was one of the greatest athletes of all time. This dude could do anything, but he was struck by racism in a sport dominated by white men. And at the same time, he also felt like he was not Hawaiian enough. And this reminded me a lot of my guy Porfirio Rubirosa. And it made me think that folks from the Pacific Islands probably have a lot in common with brown people like me from the Caribbean Islands. And so I had to ask Riddle all about this. Is there anything in there that you can relate to as someone with Polynesian heritage, sort of never being enough in this space or enough in this space?
1: Oh, yeah. I didn't realize who I was until I went to Hawaii for the first time. And that was when I was uh, 23 years old. I, I never saw anyone that looked like me until I went to Hawaii. And it was the most shocking and incredible thing to see other people that were like me. And you know, when I go back to Hawaii, I'm I'm definitely I'm I'm seen as like being whitewashed essentially. Like I don't I my sisters like lit, like talk and pigeon to each other. It's like a, a dialect that they have in Hawaii. Yeah, no, I, I I feel that. I definitely feel that. And even when I come back here from Hawaii, I'm like, oh wait, I gotta like, I gotta like, I guess code switch a little bit. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I felt that the first time I went to Columbia, I went by myself as an adult Yeah, and I felt like my body took a deeper breath than it had breathed in years. You know, it was very unconscious. It was just like, oh, I'm here. I'm everywhere around here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I see
0: myself. I feel myself. I don't have to pretend. I don't have to, you know, I'm just like, I'm amongst myself. Uh, what is the importance of a space of belonging, a space amongst yourself? And in drag too, I think, right? Like, cause that's, I, I like to think drag
1: culture is about creating spaces yeah. of belonging. Absolutely. I mean, that's why I, I started doing uh, drag really. It was to, I, I never felt like I belonged in certain spaces, especially gay spaces. Because a lot of the times um, I would, I, I remember the first few gay bars that I went to here in New York City when I was in college were <laughs> uh, you know, predominantly white men with like six packs, eight packs, just like, you know, tall, thin, beautiful models. And people would treat me differently because of the way that I looked. And I know that they, they, they did that because I'm, I'm, I'm a bigger guy and, you know, Tongans are, are big people. Like we'll, we'll crush you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like most of us are football players, rugby players, but, um, I have that, that, that builds, but, um, you know, in Hawaii, it's embraced and it's such a beautiful thing. But over here, um, it's, so, it's so different and it's not embraced as much. So when I started drag, I was like, I want to make sure that everyone feels like they belong in this space. Hmm. And I, I, have, I have continued to do that throughout my career and with every single show that I produce and do is creating space for everyone, no matter who you are.
0: Is there a version of you moving to... Hawaii? Or do you find that belonging in New York? Because as someone who's born and raised in New York, I know that you can find, you can find everything you, you know, like everybody out there. So, yeah. or do you, do you see yourself going there? Cause I know you spend a year there during the pandemic. What was that year like? And is it calling your name?
1: Yeah. Well, during the pandemic, I was like, I do not want to be cold anymore. So I was like, I'm going to go to Hawaii and I'm going to stay there and sleep on my sister's couch while the four kids who are under five run around the house and like slap me while I'm sleeping. Um, it, it was a beautiful thing to be there. And uh, I definitely thought about it. I definitely thought about moving there. But when I go back to to Hawaii or back to an island, like I feel like I'm at home. Like there's something sacred about Hawaii. And it's probably the most. And it, I, it was it was at a time where I was really going through a lot of uh mental challenges and I needed to ground myself and I needed to like have my feet in the sand and like I there's definitely uh, ancestors and and spirits that are there that I feel like helped guided me on the right path I, I definitely see myself um, becoming a, a absolutely insanely rich and buying like a a huge estate for my family where we all have our own little individual houses on a beach, Um, uh, hopefully one day. But uh, New York is like, I honestly don't think I could live anywhere else because of the the eclecticness of it. Whether you're a millionaire or you're homeless, you are taking the same damn train Mm -hmm. and you're forced to take that subway train because it's faster than because because there's traffic, so it, it is definitely a melting pot, and where you you can't separate yourself from anyone else, you have to accept it and also learn from it. But uh, yeah, no, New York is home. I'm a I'm a I'm a musical theater. I love the the art. That's that's one reason why I wouldn't move to uh, Hawaii is because they don't have the art that they have mm. here.
0: Yeah, that's that's huge as, as as an artist. I get it. Yeah we're going to take a quick break and when we come back Britta's going to tell us what it meant for their dad to come see them performing in drag for the very first time don't go anywhere y'all escape to Ocean City, Maryland And we are back with the New York drag legend, Brita Filter. Uh, I want to chat Brita for a sec. You are the very first AAPI contestant on Drag Race with Pacific Island Heritage. Did you know that when you auditioned for the show? Yes. You did. Is that yeah. why you auditioned?
1: No, 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 no. I auditioned because I was a really good drag queen. Mm, beautiful. Uh, yeah. Um, and I, I just wanted to show my art but to be the first polynesian queen now there's there's other there's other ones now um because now we have there's there's another tongan queen from um drag race down under uh <laughs> but but i was the first <laughs> that's right that's right yeah
0: how does Britta express her heritage
1: you know, this is something that was like really hard for me in uh, preparing for Drag Race. I, I always, uh, my manager at the time was like, "Hey, you really need to like, like start putting a flower in your hair with every look that you have, just so that you, people know you're Polynesian." And I was like, "Why do I have to do that? Like, I, I don't want to do that." I was like, "I just because I am uh, Polynesian doesn't mean that it needs to be like always in my." my 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 drag like i i am what i am and that's a part of me but like i don't need to put it on the outside to let people know um i was like i'm a i'm a theater queen that's what i am and and i wanted to i wanted to embrace it and so um it was the first time drag race was the first time that i prepared polynesian looks for the show and even drag con this past uh this past year every single look i did was based um off of a, a polynesian design um for it. So I have learned to embrace it and I think that being on the show and having people say uh how much they look up to me because of the representation and it it's I knew how how, how bad I needed that when I was a kid. Yeah, I really needed it and I didn't I didn't have it. I didn't have anyone to look up to or or <sighs> I don't, I'm getting all emotional about it. <laughs> can, um,
0: yeah, we got the time, and you can, yeah, thank you.
1: Yeah, it's, I, I, I really needed that. I needed that growing up. I needed to see a queer, strong person in their energy, and, like, I was so lost as a kid. And I didn't have anyone to look up to to be like, hey, I can do that, or you can do that. I mean, in musical theater, there's no, there's no Polynesians when I was growing up doing musical theater. I was like trying to be these like, these white guys that are like baritenners. Like I, I, and so I, I, and I, and, that, and that's why I pushed my my Tongan side away because I was like, I need to be like that guy. I need to be like this white guy right here, and I need to sing that good, and I need to sing better than him because I'm brown, and I have to be able to beat him.
0: I, I always talk about armor. White people in this world, because of representation, get armor all the time. They see what they can become. They see themselves as presidents, as this, as doctors, as lawyers, as movie stars, as, as, as drag queens, you know, as they see themselves all the time. And bodies of culture, we get less of that, mm-hmm. that armor. You are saying you needed that armor and for yeah. whatever reason you you gave it to yourself and now you've given it to so many so i'm here to thank you for providing armor for so many people yeah you know thank you. and Thanks and shame, not just man. polynesians you know but brown and anyone and um advocates and you know you are providing that armor uh you said when you were i think 12 you told your father you did not want to be in the I told him I
1: didn't want to go to church anymore because I, I started doing research about, you know, I knew I was gay when I was 12. Um, and I didn't necessarily come out of the closet, but I knew that the Mormon church didn't accept it. And I, I didn't really understand it. And I I just, I I didn't want to go to church anymore. And so he said, if you're not going to go, then you can't come, you can't see me.
0: <laughs> and you recently posted a really touching story about your pops. Seeing you for the first time in drag during the Kona Pride Festival
1: in Hawaii. W- where is this story now? What is your relationship? Um, it's great. He was so proud. I mean, my dad is never like, he, he, like he comes from a very simple life. My my dad is the the. It, like he has a farm in Hawaii and like he he knows the earth that's one thing that my dad does he he doesn't read very well he doesn't speak English very well but the one thing he does is that he knows the earth really really well and it's an amazing thing so we never really had anything to bond over um, growing up but when he came to Kona to to see me perform as Britta I will never forget it. he was smiling from ear to ear and like I leave was on the microphone, I was like, this is, my dad is seeing me for the first time. He's like (laughs) waving like he's on a parade to everyone and just so, so proud to see me um, affect all these people. And then he started opening up about about things and like you know he was like oh well when i when i went to the club he was like i want to come dancing with you guys he came to Mm. the gay bar and was like (laughs) dancing with us and getting wild so it was it it was nice you know it took my 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 dad for my stepmom to pass away to really uh embrace me and my drag and Britta, she she was uh, uh, like obsessed with my my makeup and was like, "Whoa, look at what your son's doing." And my dad was like, uh, "I don't know, I don't know." And so she pretty, uh, I mean Tonga women are, are rough women, and she like slapped the shit out of him and told him <laughs> to start to, to to accept me. Um and and you know her passing away, I think he realized um, that he could possibly like lose me forever. So he he really. Really tried and and uh, apologized for everything that he did in the past, and yeah, it, I'm I'm grateful that he has been able to see me do drag at least once. I think it was it, it was really important, and now he's he's you know he's. <laughs> people know that that he's my dad and he you know he's kind of he's kind of famous in hawaii now yeah um because it's like yeah that's my son the only polynesian drag queen so he's very proud of me
0: What do you want people
1: to take away from your story, or from your presence, or from you? During Drag Race, I had a, I got a lot of hate. I still got a lot of hate for going to the White House. Um, Fox News did a story about me, and I'm getting like death threats again. Um, and you know, it, it's 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 hard, and it's hard to like have all this outside chatter. And like when you know you're doing something good, and you're not trying to harm anyone, and you have all these people coming at you and and saying stuff. And I I want people to know that like what you have inside of you and what you have to offer the world is so important and i've been in situations where i've where i've like tried to hurt myself numerous times and i look back at that and i'm like wow to think of the journey that i've that i've done and and where i am now that it definitely gets better and you you can truly do anything you set your mind to mental health is 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 so important and i I had to be okay as jesse before i could be okay as britta and and i had to learn that i learned that the hard way a lot of the times um but i'm probably my worst critic and so hard on myself um worse than other individuals and it's taken me a, a long time to to like be kind to myself and tell myself that I'm like, you're doing a good job. You got this. You got this.
0: How do you do that? Like, how do you actually take care
1: of yourself? Um, You know, not, my life used to be so focused on Brita, Britta, 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 all the time, all the time. And the small things, like even like brushing my teeth, to me, is like taking care of myself. I wouldn't brush my <laughs> teeth at night. I would like pass out in my bed and be like, whatever. And you know, I even something as little as as that, or going to therapy, or taking time out of the day to just to just be.
0: next for you in in your career
1: you know I'm uh I'm writing a show uh I've always been so afraid of doing this I don't know why um I really want to embrace theater and drag and combine the two and have my own show that really that talks about hate and politics and everything I'm I'm writing a show for pride um because I feel like in the the gay community there's a People, you know, they don't teach this stuff in, in schools. They don't teach about what happened—that you know, the Stonewall riots that happened in 1969 were led by two trans women of color, drag queens, um, and and that the you know the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence in the uh, 80s were the ones that took care of the the all these gay men living with AIDS. And so I'm combining this all into a very hilarious educational show i just think it's it's and politically being at the white house the, yes we passed the 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 right to marry which is incredible but anywhere in the country however we still need to pass the Equality Act, and there's 29 states where you can be fired. Yeah, get married tomorrow, but if you come to work, I'm gonna fire you for being gay. Mm. Like, people aren't aren't even aware that this exists. So we have to, like, educate the younger generation. I feel like a lot of people, it's also why I'm so big on voting. You know, during the last election, one out of five LGBTQIA plus people were not registered to vote, mm. which was shocking to me. So it's my job uh, to educate people and, you know, and. And, and creatively, like, that's what I do. I'm, a, I'm an educator, but baby, I'm going I'm to make it funny as hell and, you know, be dressed up in a gorgeous, sparkly gown and ha- throw a poop joke in there, and you're going to love it.
0: <laughs> you got to make it digestible, right? Sugar does help the medicine go down, you know. To quote To quote a white woman with an umbrella. Uh, <laughs> like, sugar helps the medicine go down, and, and we got to be able to eat it. Um uh, Is there anyone you would like to shout out, put on blast in a good way? Uh, Anyone in your field or outside your field? You're like, yo,
1: this person's doing great work. Check them out. Um. Yeah. My, my drag daughter, uh, Laguna Blue, is doing such incredible work. Um, she's a, a Latina Spitfire pop icon. She's kind of paving her own way um, within the drag scene. And um, she's a recording artist and an incredible recording artist. And she's, you know, not following the standard way of like getting on Drag Race or doing these things, but she's literally touring the country right now, opening for opening for people in like forty different states so like i'm I'm so proud of her and she's embracing her 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 heritage um because she's she's white passing but like it's it's such a beautiful thing to see when someone really comes into their own um and i'm i'm so I'm so proud of her Laguna beautiful. blue you have a one
0: girl <laughs>
1: Laguna blue
0: yeah uh, do you have any questions for me?
1: Um, I, I just want to say thank you so much for doing this. Um, it's, 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 it's so important and I I really look forward to, to going back to past episodes and, and listening to the conversations that you had. This has honestly been one of the, my, uh, the, one of the most important conversations that I've had in a long time. And I, I didn't realize that I needed this for me. So thank you.
0: Oh, well, that's such a, that's such a blessing and a beautiful thing to hear. Thank you, Jesse.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: I appreciate you. To see more of Brita Filter's work, you can follow them at The Brita Filter or check out their website, thebritafilter.com. Next time on Brown Enough, we're talking to Justine Bell-Lambright, co-owner of Calche Wine Cooperative. Right wine to have with certain foods according to you. Uh, So what wine goes best with a nice, delicious, juicy burger?
1: Um, I would say... uh like a uh, Barbara Dosti.
0: Yeah, we talking all about wine. So get your favorite glass of wine ready. I'll see you soon, y'all. Peace. Brown Enough is a production of Stitcher. It's created and hosted by me, Christopher Rivas, and I'm also an executive producer. Our team includes producers Manolo Morales, senior producer Abigail Keel, technical director Casey Holford, production assistant Gabrielle Gladney, and executive producer Camille Stanley. Original music by Casey Holford, Special thanks to Brendan Burns. Workhouse Media is a contributing producer to the podcast. Carlos E. Hernandez of Ikigai Management is also an executive producer of Brown Enough. Don't forget to subscribe or follow Brown Enough so you never miss an episode. Thanks. Witness Docs from Stitcher. Escape to Ocean City, Maryland and discover a place that just feels lighter. Where every day feels like Saturday and french fries are a food group. Where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season. Where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door. Where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland. Somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at oceocean.com.